0: And hello everyone Welcome, welcome, welcome Come one, come all To the premiere episode That's right, the pilot episode Of Talking Cinema with Christoph Hankerson I am your hostess with the mostest, Christoph Hankerson Yeah, that's right, you're stuck with me I'm the host, I'm sorry You know, for those of you who might be listening to this who don't like me <laughs> You chose to listen to it But either way, I am very excited. I'm very much looking forward to discussing a variety of topics involving movies. You know, I, as I said in the description of the podcast, I have been a lifelong fan of cinema or cinephile for pretty much my whole entire life. And just like each of you perhaps that are listening, you know, I can remember the exact moment... just hit me, where it just clicked with me, where I connected with the wonderful world of cinema. You know, all of us can remember perhaps the first movie, for those of us, you know, for those of you that are listening that actually grew up going to theaters like myself, you know, and it being such a big, huge event, you know, almost like going to a baseball game or a football game or some kind of, you know, sporting event. You know, going to the movies was a big deal for me growing up and it still is today, But I can remember everything about that very first experience. You know, who I was with. It was summer of 1996. I'll delve into that. I was two and a half years old at the time, and Disney had released its latest animated classic, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes, the darkest Disney movie, arguably the darkest Disney movie of all time, was my first theater going experience. But I can remember. You know, they say you don't really start remembering a whole lot until you're five years old, but the weirdest thing is, that might be the fondest memory. This is just a testament to how powerful the art and medium of film is. I don't remember anything before Five, except for the fact that the first movie I ever went to go see in theaters was Hunchback of Notre Dame, summer of 1996, at a theater that is no longer in existence, back when a lot of malls. It was coming from malls to have theaters. It was on a Saturday afternoon. I think it was you know, maybe maybe not opening weekend, but the weekend after. And I just remember being mesmerized by it. you know, the everything, the the storytelling, the the animation was just so superb. You know I didn't really understand a whole lot about the the deeper meaning, the deeper levels of you know what they were going for with that film. But, but I just can remember being wowed by it. It's like, wow, this this is really cool. You know, and I'm sure each and every one of you that are listening to this right now, you remember your first movie that you ever saw in theaters, whatever year it was. You know, I talked to a lot of I talked to a lot of different people. We just had May the 4th, and there are a lot of people that I have talked to over the years. When I start talking about Star Wars and you know how great it is and you know, how it has impacted my life, you know, to the point where, you know, I quote them endlessly. You know, they will tell me that the very first movie that they ever saw in theaters was the original Star Wars that came out in 1977. I've come across a lot of people that have been, you know, people that are old enough to remember when it originally came out that that was their first movie that they ever saw. So, you know, I kind of wanted to, I, I started this pilot episode off. You know, explaining to you that, you know, I really, I really love film and it started at a very young age. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to having a lot of fun with this podcast. Um, you know, f- so for the, f- I know I said in the trailer that the format would be, I would take a film, discuss perhaps the background info of the film that, and highlighting major events surrounding the genesis of the film, fun facts and stories from production. You know, a brief critical analysis: What I liked and disliked about the film, you know, the impact on my personal life, impact on my, and perhaps the impact on culture if it's become a big pop cultural phenomenon, or maybe perhaps it was one of those movies that was released in the box office didn't do so hot, but it's gained a cult following through home video and streaming and media services and purchases and whatnot. That will be the format eventually. But one of the things that I really want to do these first few episodes of the podcast is for you guys to kind of get to know me, you know, get to know your host. You know, how, you know, I, I, I put it this way, how can you really delve into a subject, even if you have a lot of knowledge, you know, how are you going to grow your audience if you don't give them the opportunity to know you, you know? You you got you got to know your, you gotta, you got to you got to let the audience get to know you. So that's what we're going to do these first few weeks, these first several weeks of the podcast, these first several episodes. I'm going to take a subject that relates to film, and you know, kind of, it'll kind of be like a countdown. You know, just you know, kind of my favorite things. There's another podcast that I listen to, and their first few episodes they did the same exact thing so i'm going to i'm taking that concept and applying it to my medium to my you know area of expertise film and for this first for this first episode we're going to be talking about my top 5 favorite films of all time now, i do have a top 10 list but because you know i don't want to you know i don't want this podcast to go too exceedingly long I'm only gonna stick with my top five movies for this first week. So, without any further ado, I start with my top my fifth favorite movie. We're gonna go obviously in descending order. It's gonna go five, four, three, two, one. You should know what descending order means. I shouldn't have had to explain that to you, but never know who's listening. So, my number five favorite movie, it is a classic western it's kind of it's kind of a game it's kind of gained a cult following on home video didn't do so hot at the box office didn't really get a whole huge amount of awards even though it deserved some but it is the 1993 western film directed by George P Cosmatos may he rest in peace but it is the movie Tombstone and for those of you that have seen it you know who's in it uh, Kurt Russell was known for who just come off of Backdraft, and, you know, know, Big Trouble, Little China, Snake Blixen, that's what he was known for, Val Kilmer, who went on to play Batman and Batman Forever, and played Jim Morrison in The Doors. Oh, just an all-star cast. I mean, grizzled Western veteran Sam Elliott was in there. Bill Paxton, who became a renowned director in his latter days. You know, Jason Priestley from Beverly Hills 90210 made an appearance in this film. And so many other... Rising people that would be future stars in later years, like Billy Bob Thornton, had a brief scene you know, earlier in the film, and, and, and this is this is probably one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. This movie is filled with so much great dialogue, so many good quotes. It was a very very well written film when it comes to not only the story that surrounds the gunfight at the OK Corral and the lead into that. And not only was the character development superb from the protagonist, you know, you have Wyatt Earp, Morgan Earp, you know, Doc Holliday, Virgil, as well as the villains, you know, Curly, Curly Bill, played by Powers Booth. You had that factor, but you also had so much good dialogue between all these different characters. And, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, it's, it's very early on in the film, you know, Wyatt Earp. He's just arrived. He's just arrived to Tombstone, Arizona, which is a real city in Arizona. That's where the the movie was filmed. And you can actually visit some of the places where it was filmed. The the gunfight at the OK Corral. He goes, he goes into the bar or saloon. And Billy Bob Thornton is, you know, just causing a ruckus. He's, He's loud. He's cursing. And all of a sudden, in walks Wyatt or in walks Kurt Russell's character, and he just smacks Billy Bob Thornton into yesteryear. And he says, you know, jerk that pistol, go to work. You so I said, I said, go to work, boy. It's like, you don't do something, just stand there and bleed. And that's, that is just so priceless. It's so timeless. So, so no well written. I mean, he just chewed up the scenery in that. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton did a pretty good job of chewing it up. And then Kurt Russell just completely took over. Then, event, obviously eventually another one another one of those moments that i like towards the end of the movie as it's leading to that budding climax that fine that showdown with curly bill you know after after his brother has been killed i know i may be spoiling the movie for some people that have not seen this great western if you haven't i highly recommend it if, honestly if you love the old john wayne movies if you love the old clint eastwood movies you will love tombstone i love those and but me personally Tombstone is not only the greatest Western that's come out in the last 25 years, I know it's been 27 years, the movie came out in 1993, but bear with me, the last 25 to 30 years, Tombstone is the greatest Western that has come out. In my opinion, it's the greatest Western that has come out, you know, greatest Western of all time. And there have been some great movies. You know, I could just, I could just sit and watch Westerns all day. And Tombstone, for me, it just has that, that rewatchability quality for me you know, that a lot of Westerns don't have, or that some Westerns really don't have. And, you know, it's attributed to a lot of the, I've mentioned all those factors that it attributes to, you know, the dialogue, the characters, the story, the music though, is what, is another thing that really moves me. Um, I probably, I probably first watched this movie when I was maybe freshman, sophomore in, in high school. It is a little bit more on the rougher side, you know, when it comes to the language and, violence but man I just remember just being blown away by those factors and Bruce Broughton, who actually did the score for the film he's scored he scored a number of other movies as well um, you should check you should check out his portfolio he scored the rescuers down under it's another solid classic Disney movie but he did the score for this film and there's a scene in the movie well it's actually during the credits where the four the four main Protagonist, Wyatt Herb, Virgil Herb, Morgan Herb, and Doc Holliday, And I'll get to, I'll get to him in a second. But they're all, you know, walking. They're they're walking towards the gunfight of the OK Corral. You know, the sun is beaming down on them. And as the sun is beaming down on them, you know, you can kind of see the reflections and the cameras panning across them. And you know, they've got that it, it goes, it goes. It, it zooms, and as it's zooming in on them, it just the music just intensifies. It's, it's everything, it, everything that is great about westerns. And honestly, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this out there. Everything that is, you know, great about being just a, a man, and just you know how things were back then. The Must everything, authenticity, the the mustache, everything. It's in there. It's in Tombstone. Um, you know, great. It's a solid movie. And I am proud to say that I own it on all three home video formats. Yes, you guessed it. I have a VHS copy of the movie. I have it on DVD. And I have it on Blu-ray. Highly recommend it. You know, if you haven't watched it in a while, go ahead and re-watch it. If you don't know what you're watching tonight, you can watch Tombstone. Excellent movie. Excellent movie. On a scale of one to five... I give it 5 out of 5. Okay, so Tombstone is my number 5 favorite movie of all time. Moving on to my number 4, my 4th favorite movie. Another classic on this list. Now, this movie is very well known. I would wager that a good amount of my listening audience has actually seen this movie. Some of you perhaps have seen it many times, like myself. It comes on. It. I, I feel like ever since it entered in syndication and entered in cable in the late '90s, it's either on TBS, it's either on TNT, or maybe perhaps it's on. You know, in the last few years it's been on AMC a lot. Yes, you guessed it. It's Forrest Gump. You know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with the story. But basically, the whole movie takes place on a bench. Forrest Gump is literally waiting for a bus, and he is reenacting pretty much his whole life story from the time he was born, a little bit before he was born, the time he was born, late nineteen, mid to late 1950s. And you're literally, this whole movie, the whole history of the world, in a sense, is told through the eyes of Forrest Gump, and it is amazing. It is excellent. I rarely... Ever agree and though this is this is probably just me this is probably just me being a film critic I, I, I took notes from watching Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert because I would watch episodes about the movies you know a, a lot on YouTube so a lot of my critical analysis on film comes from them even though I'll say I come to different conclusions than they do but basically this is one of those rare movies that I actually agreed with the Academy on all the awards that it got, I mean, you know, it was—I believe it was best picture, best score, you know, all the all the awards, all the accolades. I believe Tom Hanks came away with the best actor award that year, if I'm not mistaken. But needless to say, you know, it, it deserved every it, it deserved every single accolade. I mean, the movie is timeless. You know, how often do you hear people say, you know, life's like a box of chocolates? You know, you, you never know what you're going to get. And, you know, I might butcher the Alabama accent a little bit. So I just use my normal, regular accent. But, you know, that's just that line, that quote is timeless. I mean, and how much more impactful do you get than run, Forrest, run? I mean, Every time I cannot tell you how many times I've said it and I can't tell you how many times I've heard other people say it. Sometimes some of these people that are saying Run Force, Run haven't even seen the movie, but they'll say it because they've heard their friends say it that have seen it. You know, people like myself that go around quoting it all the time. They've seen it and it's like, oh wow, no, so that's where it comes from. But you know, there's moments like that. And you know, just kind of kind of getting back to the movie, one of the things I really, really, really Love about this movie is the relationships. You know, it's just how loyal Forrest Gump is to everybody in his life. I mean, man loves his mom. You know, he's just very, just you know, just so loyal to her, and you know, wanting to do everything to please her. I mean, you know, she and she's. I mean, she's the one that's believed in him since day one. You know, she's the one that told him, you know, you're no different than anyone else. You know how and. He just took that and ran with it, literally. Eventually, later on in his life, you know, you're just the same. You're no different. Um, you know, Jenny, his childhood friend, whom he ends up marrying later on in life, even though they're kind of, you know, she's that friend that I feel like a few of us have had. You know, you you know, you might have someone in your life for a few years. You know, depending on your living situation, you might have someone in your life for a few years, and then you know, time and distance, especially, you know, in this era, you know, there's no social media, so there's no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, there's no way of connecting with, you know, people that were in your life in the past. So it's like, they were childhood friends, then life kind of seemingly took them their separate ways. Then they meet up again, you know, Forrest, he has, he's joined the military, you know, and she's, you know, just a hardcore left-wing you know, all about the hippies, Flower Child, into that movement. And then they get reunited again. You know, he's giving a speech. He's giving a speech at the White House. He's received an award. And boom, there she is. There's jenna you know, Forrest, jenna. They <laughs> They reunite. And, you know, eventually they get married and, you know, have kids. It's, you know, everything kind of came full circle for them. But, you know, there's there's that relationship. There's Forrest and Bubba. You know, he, you know, at a time where, you know, as he's telling this story, you know, from the 1950s through the 1990s, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people watching this realize, especially people that were older at the time, is that there was a lot of racism and a lot of prejudice going on in America at that point in time. But I think one of the things that Forrest probably realized and what Robert zemekis the director of the film, wanted to get across to his audience is that when you're serving side by side in the military, you know, it doesn't matter if your brother is black or white or what or blue or green or orange. I know I just threw in a quote from Remember the Titans, <laughs> low key, but needless to say, it doesn't matter what you look like, you know, he's your brother. And you need to treat him as such. Especially, I mean, on the battlefield, lives are on the line. You don't want him to die just because he's a black man, but as well as off the battlefield. And I think that's just one of the biggest, that's just a huge, huge, huge lesson that you can kind of teach your kids from this movie. It's like, doesn't matter what you look like. You know, we're all people and we all deserve to be treated as such. And I definitely think that's what Bubba. And Forrest's friendship brought out, you know. After all, you know, he knows everything there is to know about the shrimping business. And then I have to get to my one of my favorite characters in the movie. Honestly, I love Gary Sinise anyways because of all the great things that he does in his in his real life for veterans. But, man, Lieutenant Dan was probably, is probably the most recognizable role that he's ever had. I mean, the fact that Forrest... I mean, Dan specifically told Forrest, you know, don't, you no, know, don't worry about me. Don't, you know, don't have to save my life. I'll survive. He loses both of his legs, as you well know, if you've seen the movie. And he's still, and they eventually, obviously, Bubba dies. You know, they eventually go into, they eventually go into business together. They go into the shrimp business together and create Bubba Gump's Shrimp Company. You know. So, which is a, which by the way, slight plug, if you ever go to New York City, obviously after this whole coronavirus is over, you know, if you ever go up to New York City, I highly recommend Bubba Gump's restaurant. I highly recommend going there. It's downtown, right near Times Square. Amazing, amazing barbecue and amazing food. I, it's great. And so is this movie. Highly recommend. Five out of five. You no, know, it's. If you haven't seen this movie, then you must have been living under a rock these past few years. It's past several years. So I highly recommend. Next, next up on my list, number three. I'm just gonna quote it and let you figure out from there. If you build it, he will come. That's it. You guessed it. Field of dreams. Now I now I personally I am a huge I'm a huge sports fan, so that's an, that's another one of my interests. In fact, before I settled on doing a movie podcast, I actually considered doing a sports-themed podcast. And specifically, since we're talking about Field of Dreams or we're talking about baseball, you know, I was going to do a baseball-themed podcast. Anybody that knows me well, so for those of you that are listening to this podcast that actually know me personally and spend time with me, you know that I am a huge, huge, huge baseball fan and my favorite team— I'll just throw this out there. It's the Chicago Cubs. I grew up watching their games on WGN and listening to the games on the radio. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Cubs fan. Yeah, I, you know, grew up you know, idolizing players like Sammy Sosa, Mark Grace, Derek Lee, Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, Carlos Zambrano. Shame their arms went out. And before, I, before long, if I don't catch myself, I'm going to be – I'm gonna turn this podcast, it's movie themed, into a sports themed podcast. But I'll keep it to, to keep it simple. I love baseball and I love the Cubs, and that was one of my options for a for a podcast. I was gonna do a baseball themed one until I said, "There's not enough good movie podcasts out there. A lot of good sports ones out there." So I'll just do it on my other hobby, movies. But Field of Dreams, and I tell you, I tell you. You know, even though it's parts fantasy, in some ways it just feels like reality. I mean, how many of you that have seen the movie, I know I've had these thoughts, but for those of us that have seen the movie, if, you know, whether it be your dad or your cousin or your uncle, if someone just comes to you, if you start hearing voices in your backyard or voices in your farm, the way Ray Kinsella, the main character, obviously is played by Kevin Costner, all-star cast in this movie, by the way, I mean, Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones the late, great Burt Lancaster, Ray Liotta, I mean, uh, Timothy Busfield from West Wing. So many great, so many great talented actors were in this movie. And, you know, but back to back to Kevin Costner's character. So Kevin Costner plays the main character in this movie. He's Ray Kinsella. And he actually, he starts hearing voices in the field and... You know, how cool would it be? I think one of the main takeaways I have from this film is how cool would it be to you know, be able to play baseball with, you know, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Babe Ruth and, you know, Jimmy Fox, you know, all the great players of that era of the 1920s and 1930s era of baseball back when it was really just a game. well, How cool would that be? It's a baseball fan's dream, not to mention this movie has one of the most, probably one of the most touching moments in any film. Towards the end, you know, the movie, he's been he realized that his dad was the one behind the plate, and his dad was the one that was tearing him with the voices. And you know when he says, "Dad, you want to have a catch? That's powerful. That's powerful. And just a testament of the bonds between fathers and sons. But for that reason. Field of Dreams is my favorite baseball movie, sports movie, and one of my all-time favorites. Five, uh, five out of five as well. Rounding out the top two, we can do full episodes on these movies. They're so good. But Back to the Future, I mean, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Thomas Wilson as Biff. I mean, Marty, Doc, Biff, all these characters have become literally some of the most iconic characters in the history of cinema. And I'll delve more into this whole film. I, I could probably spend multiple episodes on how great Back to the Future is. But basically, it's, you know, the whole the whole idea. It's, also, it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, who directed Forrest Gump, which was also on this list. But the idea of the film, you know, if you've seen it, you know, is that Doc Brown invents a time machine and Marty gets into it and he travels back in time to the 1950s specifically the year 1955 to his parents' teenage years but a lot of things go haywire and so it is up to the doc and marty to you know get him back in time i mean what more could you, what more could you want from a film i mean great 80s tunes you know some good tunes from the 1950s that set the tune set the stage for that era as well um, solid lines like, hello, hello, anybody home? Think, McFly, think. Great music score by an underrated composer, in my opinion, Alan Silvestri. And people always tout you know, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, James Horner, and deservedly so, they're probably three of the best composers that ever lived. You know, James Newton Howard to that list. But Alan Silvestri created a very iconic score for Back to the Future, to which if you were to listen to it or hear it, you would automatically know where it's from. But I mean, I've I've been a fan of the franchise since I was a little kid. I probably first saw the movies on TV. I think NBC showed them when I was six or seven years old. I watched them and ever since then I've probably watched those movies once a year, every year, the rest of my I mean, they're great. Fantastic films. Five out of five. Highly recommend them. And rounding out, my all-time favorite movie is The Empire Strikes Back. Not only is this the greatest Star Wars movie of all time, but it is, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies of all time. So the Rebels win their victory, but in this movie, things get a lot darker. Luke finds out that Vader is his father. We're introduced to Boba Fett. Han Solo gets frozen into carbonite. Han Solo, excuse me, there's a lot of banter between Han and Leia. Luke and Leia kiss. I mean, there is just so much that goes on in this movie. Yoda drops some of the most sage life advice and life lessons on Once again, like Back to the Future, I can spend probably an entire episode talking about how great the Star Wars saga as a whole, which as of now is 11 movies and 3 series, 2 animated, 1 live action. I can spend an entire episode talking about how great those films are as well. And for sake of time, you know, you know the stories. If you've seen them, if you haven't seen them, you're at least familiar with it. You know what happens. You know. I am your father is one of the most iconic moments in the history of cinema. I mean, we got our big, I, I firmly believe the reason why George Lucas had that big battle scene at the beginning of the movie with the ATATs on Hoth is because he wanted to give room for, you know, for, for us to see Luke's Jedi training with Yoda on Dagobah and for us to eventually see Luke and Vader face off for him to be revealed the awful truth that, you know, He's indeed his father. Not to mention, introduced one of the coolest space pilots in the galaxy. The man, smooth as cu- and cool as cucumber soup. Lando Calrissian. What can I say? Five out of five greatest movies of all time. Well, folks... Getting, we're getting to the end of the episode here. I just wanted to say it's been a pleasure recording this. Um, once again, whatever whatever podcast formats you listen to them on, it'll be on Spotify, eventually Google and Apple. Probably Spotify will have it first. And I encourage you to go on Facebook and like the page. It's Talking Cinema with Christoph Hankerson. I'm in the process of eventually starting a Twitter feed as well. Mike into the Instagram game too and I'm definitely going to be launching a website here in the next several weeks and months so until next week I hope you all have a wonderful evening and thanks for listening to the premiere episode of Talking Cinema see you next time